Good morning. It's great to see all of you today. Man, it's really good to see all of you. Hey, I just want to let you know, next week we'll be starting a new series. It is going to be called Fault Line. We're going to be looking at some real practical ways on, I mean, I love seeing people again. I mean, I just, I love it. People coming back, baby. They're coming back. And I understand we had to be wise. We had to, we had to be smart about how we were going to not only uh, get back to life for ourselves, but also uh, caring for other people in the process. But I just want to let, it's just good to see you. Maybe you don't think you're missed, but when I see your, your mug, you know, I'm telling you what, it makes me smile, especially that man's mug right over there. Man, he's a good man. If you don't, if you don't know Robbie, he's a great guy. Hey, uh, so, fractured relationships. Anybody got any? Yeah. Anybody got a country with them? Yeah. We got fractured relationships. So we're going to be talking about fault lines, how to, how to restore some relationships and, and over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but today, let me go technical on you for a few minutes. Because of the limitations of the World Wide Web um, and some things that Al Gore wasn't able to complete before, during his time, uh, uh, we're going to be showing a video clip today. What's going to happen is YouTube is going to hear us play that video clip because they have an algorithm that listens to everything. And it's not, it's not Big Brother spying on us or anything like that. But they, it, it's all about copyright issues. And so um, they're going to hear that video clip, and they're going to shut down that video clip. So what we do to get around it, and what other, not just us, but everybody does it to get around it, is that we turn off the audio for the video clip for our live feed. So if you're out there in live feed world, what's going to happen is the sermon's going to go on normal, and then all of a sudden we're going to get to the video clip, and it's going to go quiet. You'll still see it. So what we did was we embedded in the comment section of your YouTube video um, so you to be able to click, open up another window, and play the video simultaneously. Okay, there's a workaround for everything, all right? So you'll be able to, you'll be able to hear the video. Uh, so if you're watching on a TV, we recommend that you have the sermon up on the TV and that you open up the video on your phone. Um, it's a video clip, and I'll already give you the heads up. It's from a movie called Moneyball. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good clip. It's a good clip. And um, how to get to it is in the notes in our app. And also, if you go to where we're our channel on YouTube, there's a link for you to be able to get to it as well. Um, I will let you know just before we play the video clip. And you say, well, and my, my mentor pastor said this to me. Paul, if you had gotten the Holy Ghost, you wouldn't need all these video clips. You know, you just preach the word of God. Now, I get it, but nobody was the master of, of allegory metaphors more than Jesus was. He understood the power of using a good metaphor. And so what we're going to do is we're going to build on that work that Jesus has already accomplished, and we're going to use a metaphor that will speak into your own personal life. It's a strong one, too. It's, I didn't put it in there just to be clever or to be cool. This, this, um, this is really going to be powerful. So over the last 15 weeks, we have been learning about the real stimulus that God gives us to experience the best version of our lives that he has intended for us. God's got a plan. He's got you in mind. You're in, you're in his head. You know, you really are. You're in God's head, and he's got a version of life that he wants to bless. He's got a version of your life where you experience his best. 
And we understood that that stimulus that God gives us comes from the cross, from the forgiveness and the love and the compassion of the cross, but it also comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. And I love what God said to Abraham to say to us as a result of Christ. He says to us, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. See, this is amazing. Is that God wants to bless our lives, not only so that we can experience an abundant life, but so that we can bless other people's lives as well. Maybe that's the part in America that we've kind of forgot about. We like the blessing part, but God wants to stir our minds up to get to remember that he's stimulating our lives with his blessings, with his grace, with his Holy Spirit, so that not only we can experience it, but so that we can bless other people as well. Listen to what he says to the disciples in Acts 1-7. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The Father poured out his Holy Spirit, the stimulating power of God's divine grace and empowerment so that you and I can become fully alive, not only so we can experience blessings in Jerusalem, but also in Judea and take it to Samaria and take it to every part of the world that we can bring the power of God to every community. And one of the things that I've learned about America in the last 18 months is I, I think uh, two years ago, we probably would have thought we were pretty good, weren't we? I mean, you know, we were kind of all sitting, you know, in our social places and kind of feeling good about ourselves, feeling good about America, feeling all, and all of a sudden, over the last 24 months, we've been exposed. You know, the, 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 the cabinets in the kitchen have been opened up. And we began to find out that, whoa, maybe we weren't as good as we thought we were. Not only socially, but maybe, maybe personally we had some things that we were living with that, that really God wanted to transform to change. And what we've begun to learn is that in the midst of all that exposure, which, which sometimes can hurt your heart, but it's an opportunity f- to grow. I mean, I don't like being pointed out for being wrong any more than any other individual. But I'll tell you what, I'll learn from it. I'll take whatever it is that has been exposed in my life, and I will be what our vision statement here at Crosstown is. I will be a learner, a lover, and a leader. And I, will, and I will, whatever it is that God exposes in my life, I will try through the power of this Holy Spirit to grow in that. So what we've learned is that we possess the power of love, truth, service, money, faith, forgiveness, and hope to water the whole earth. We've got it. You know, the stimulus has already been given. Now it's our turn to take that blessing that God has given us and begin to bless other people. It's kind of like that bioelectrical, and I talked about this. First of all, when I start a series, I think it's going to last six weeks. You know, I'll start off and I'll be like, yeah, I'll do six weeks of stimulus. I ain't got any more than that. Well, here we are in week 15. Because all of a sudden, when, you begin, when I begin to dive into it, it's like, wow, God begins to speak more and more to me. But one of the things that we learned someplace back at week six was that hope is like that bioelectrical system that surrounds the heart. I'm not a cardiologist, but there is this, there's this whole little thing that works around the heart with electrical pulses. Your heart actually has like a, a north pole and a south pole, and, and it has this whole system of working. And that electrical system just seems to keep the heart going. And what we have 
as followers of Christ, we have the biological equivalent of that in the spirit. See, we have the ability, we have the compassion, the love, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that we can make the cultural heart go boom, 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 boom. So we can make the heart of our marriage beat once again. So that we can allow blood to begin to flow in our families and in our communities. I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You see how this cascading effect occurs is that God gets your heart beating again through forgiveness or mercy through the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can begin to start the heartbeat in another person's life. See, there's a part of this Christian story that we forget that we're called to move beyond grace and move to grace-infused collaboration with God. See, most of us just want God to, to be involved in our lives and to fix our lives for us and to fix our society for us and our families and our marriages. But what we learned from Stacy last week, we learned about the symphonic work of the Holy Spirit, how God uses us in the body of Christ and empowers us with the Holy Spirit and with the gifts of the Spirit so that we can be a part of collaborating with God. If there's something wrong with the church, if there's something wrong with family, if there's something wrong with our schools, if there's something wrong with, with our, our marriages, that God wants us to collaborate with him through the power of the Holy Spirit so that hope, like the beating heart, can be restored in every relationship that we have. We also learned that there is a time when we need to bring God into the foreground of our lives instead of keeping him in the background. A time for us to come out of the background of culture. A time for us to come out of the background of our past mistakes. A time for us to come out of the background of other people's choices. A time for us to come out of the background of our perceived limitations. I mean, I, I can just hear the words of Jesus when he goes to his friend's tomb and he yells, Lazarus, come out. And that's what I believe the Holy Spirit is calling to us as a people, as his followers, as his disciples, as his children, as his church. He's like, come out of the background. Come out of your limitations. Come out of all the things that you find that are lacking in your life and experience the power of my spirit, my truth, my mercy, my compassion. Come alive. Come alive with my spirit. Because the world is waiting and is needy. So, sometimes I see a scene in a movie that really speaks to me. So if you're, you're watching live, this is a time when you get ready to, to click on that link. But sometimes I, I, the movie will really affect me. And this, I, I was on a, a mini vacation last week and I saw this video clip and it just literally brought me to tears. I don't cry at everything. Uh, but I, but this, this video clip, for some reason, just plucked a string in me. I don't know if it's got something to do with my past. I don't know if it has something to do with what the, the Lord was speaking of about right at this particular moment to his, to his Holy Spirit. Um, but I experienced that when I saw this scene out of the movie called Moneyball. Now, 
Moneyball is about, about this baseball manager, I think the Oakland A's, and uh, what, what it takes for him to get the team. It's based uh, on a, a true story. Uh, Billy Bean, I believe, is the gentleman. But they just lose in the playoffs, so him and his data guy, his, his head guy, are, are usually watch video and tape to figure out what went wrong and what improvements that they have to make. But at this point in the movie, this general manager is so disappointed about how things turned out for the season that he is just, he's just done with it. Kind of like a, what happens to a lot of us in life. We just get to the point when, you know, we tried hard, we won some games, but you know what? I'm sick of it, I'm done with it, and we just give, give up. So right after I read this scripture, and the reason why I'm reading this scripture is because this scripture is the one that gives this video clip its authority. It's this scripture that defines what God is going to speak to us. But it's the video clip that will help you see it a little better. So right after I read the scripture, we'll play it for you. Paul said in Ephesians 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Come with me to the video room. I want to show you something. No, man, I'm not for film right now. Come on, seriously. Come on, Billy, come on. The Visalia Oaks and our 240-pound catcher, Jeremy Brown, who, as you know, is scared to run to second base. This was in the game six weeks ago. This guy's gonna start him off with a fastball. Jeremy's gonna take him to deep center. Here's what's really interesting. Because Jeremy's gonna do what he never does. He's gonna go for it. He's gonna round first and he's gonna go for it. Okay? This is all of Jeremy's nightmares coming to life. Oh, they're laughing at him. And Jeremy's about to find out why. Jeremy's about to realize that the ball went 60 feet over the fence. He hit a home run and didn't even realize it.
How can you not be romantic about baseball? It's a metaphor. I know it's a metaphor. Okay. Pete, you're a good egg. Man. When I saw that video clip for the first time, it took my breath away. It wasn't comical. See, this scripture that Paul wrote and this video metaphor spoke to the disparity between what's in my mind, the fear, the self-limitations, the things I impose upon myself, the mistakes, and the difference between that and what God has accomplished in the Christ, in the cross and in the resurrection through Jesus Christ. See, in my mind, I mean, in my theology, I believe Jesus died, he rose, and he ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father. We call that a creed. But for too many of us, that's all we call it. But what God called it was a home run. But too many of us are still living just running to first base. Too many of us are living life with fear on first base. Too afraid to take off after second base. Too ashamed to lift our heads to see the purest, clearest forgiveness that God has given us. Yet to discover our calling, his fullness in our being. Yet to be rooted and grounded in love. Yet to discover the strength to comprehend with all the saints the breath, first base, the length, second base, the height, third base, the depth, home plate, of his love and his fullness in us. So you might have giggled at the, at the video clip. You might have thought, what an idiot. Well, let me ask you, what base are you standing on with the knowledge that Jesus Christ died, Jesus Christ rose, Jesus Christ will come again. How many bases are you going around? Where are you, dare, are you willing to dare leaving first base? See, I believe the Bible Belt is first base. Everybody gets saved in the Bible Belt, okay? We just walk an altar, and then we turn around and go back to our seats, and that's it. You got to first. Cool. I mean, you got to go to first in order to go to third. But the problem is, is Jesus didn't preach a gospel that just goes to first. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have life abundantly. You know? Folks, we have learned that the American culture can't round first without falling on its face unless it discovers the truth, love, and power of God. It, it can't do it. It needs people who realize that the ball has gone over the wall, that we have a victory in Christ, 
people, Paul's bending his knee. I, and this is kind of a new discovery for me as I was reading it. It's like he's bending his knee. He's not praying that the Romans will leave Jerusalem. He's not praying that people won't get sick, which is okay to pray. He's not praying that they'll get wealthier. Because he doesn't see any of that as the kingpin. He's not praying that society will, you know, have better officials. Though that's a good prayer to pray, and we are commanded to pray at such a prayer. But he said, he said, that's not the kingpin. What needs to happen is that I'm praying, I am bending my knee, that these people will, will comprehend the height, the depth, the width, the breadth, the depth of the love of God. That these people will be rooted and grounded in truth. Because any substantial change that will happen in a marriage, in a family, in a community, between races, in America, will happen only once we all see that the ball went over the fence. All realize, all rooted and grounded in his truth. So what holds you back from living the abundant life? And you know, this made me realize, well, what is the abundant life? Can I get you to just tear your American dream page out of your book for a second? Because it's kind of like been melded together with the gospel and let's just rip it out just for a second. You don't have to throw it away, just kind of rip it out for a little bit. And let's just go with the, what abundant life that Jesus was talking about. And Paul's like, this is where abundant life happens when you and I learn how to love each other. That's, he's like, I hope they get this. I hope they get, Oh, I love that how much they're loved by me. I, I, I want them to know how much they're loved by the Father. How forgiven their sins really are. That the paralyzation of their life, that they don't have to be paralyzed any longer. That it's safe to run and go for a second and trip and fall. It's okay. What holds you back from living the abundant life that Christ has won for you? It's not the wall, because the ball has already traveled over it. On the cross, we were told in Matthew 27, 51, and behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. Nothing could stop that ball from traveling over that wall. What's stopping you from living abundant life that Christ has won for you? It's not your opponent because he already knows you scored. 1 John 3.8 says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the evil one. Colossians 1.13 says, he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. So your opponent already knows you scored. I loved it in the video. The first baseman, it's like, dude, the ball went over. Isn't that funny? The devil, the enemy knows what has been accomplished. <laughs> the only people who don't know are, are the ones that are supposed to be running the bases. It's us. What's keeping you from walking in his spirit and his power? It's not your running abilities because grace picks you up every time you fall. 
As the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8.37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I didn't read you any new verses today, did I? Same old Bible, same old scriptures. So what's the, what's the deal? We just got to see it. We just got to receive it. And we have got to run in it. I mean, and I haven't really thought this through theologically, but you have to run the basis, okay? Mom, dad, husband, wife, single, white, black, male, female, you have to run the basis. The ball, the victory's already been won. But now it is time for us to collaborate with God through the power of his Holy Spirit. It's time for us to, you know, I had somebody complaining about something that was going on in, in the subdivision. And, you know, we have subdivision just like everybody else and ARBs and, you know, uh, all those kinds of things. And it's, it's cool. You, you got to have them, I guess, you know. Um, but people were complaining about what was going on in the subdivision. It's like, well, uh, well, cool, why don't you uh, join the AARB team and, 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 and you can be a part of it. Oh, I don't got time for that. I don't, I don't got time for that. And, you know, it's like I just hear you talking. I just hear you running your mouth. It's like the way that it's going to get fixed is if somebody runs the basis, somebody who knows that the point has already been scored that the victory's already been won. So stop looking to the Democrats to save the world. Stop looking to the Republicans to save the world. Stop waiting for, if you're a Republican, four more years and we'll be back in power, we're gonna win the House. You know, oh yeah, that's really gonna change a lot, isn't it? We're gonna still have people who can't round the bases trying to fix a broken country. Well then who should run the bases? You and me. You and me, at the PTA, at the ARB, at the, you know, at the shelter downtown, in our homes, in our marriages, in our community. It's us. It's us. Stop focusing on how small you are and focus on how big he is in you. Stop focusing on how, on all your imperfections and how they trip you up and focus on the completion of his love that he has for you and in you. Okay, I did something last weekend. I know a lot of you will think I'm an idiot and that's okay. I can live with that. I've been living with it ever since I became this past, the pastor of this church. Um, I went mountain biking last weekend, Okay. Okay, well, and the reason why these guys are saying hallelujah, I have three ruptured discs in my back and five broken uh, transverse processors, and I was told I'd better not ride my mountain bike again, better not kayak, better not pull a boat, better not do nothing. And then I thought, I preached that sermon two weeks ago about getting caught in your background and having to move into your foreground again. And I thought, well, who told me I couldn't mountain bike? My doctor but he probably would have told me not to mountain bike with a good back. 
So I thought, wait a minute, did God tell me, did God confirm, dude, you better not ride a mountain bike? What I heard was, you better not ride a mountain bike because if you fall off of that, you could be paralyzed. I also heard if you hike again, you could be paralyzed. If you do, if you do anything, you could be paralyzed. And for the last year, I have been paralyzed. And I'm like, I am sick and tired of clinging to first base and never scoring a run, surviving. So I went mountain biking. Sure, I didn't clip in. You know, you usually clip in your shoes and you, so you can pull up a little bit. I didn't clip in. I ain't crazy, okay? I want to be able to get out of, off that bike as fast as I could. It was about 28 degrees and up a beach mountain and and some of the roots had frost on them, so if you go across it with your wheels you cross, uh, off camber, you, boom, your bike goes like that. Some of the roots were, uh, rocks were a little, you know, when you do your creek crossing, little, I got off the bike for that. But there were some beautiful climbs, and there were some beautiful downhills, and I was all in on those. It's like, I had to decide, and yeah, you can, you can say I'm stupid for doing that, and we all got to determine our risk-reward quotient, based upon what God speaks into your life. I'm not sure if I'll ever do it again, but I had to break the dysfunction of fear in my life. And for the last two years, America has been afraid. And I'm not saying there aren't real threats out there, but I don't think hiding is how we handle them. I don't think inciting hatred against each other is how we handle them. We need to stop focusing on the world and focus on the author and finisher of it all. Hebrews 12.1 says, let us lay aside every weight and sin and every which clings so closely. And doesn't it cling so closely? Don't fears get real close they invade the most personal of spaces in us. Doesn't hatred get close? Has anybody else been dealing with anger other than me? I mean, I'm, I'm an inch away from a good street fight. And he's like, well, who with who? Anybody. And after church, if you wanna fight, I'm not saying I'm gonna win, I'm just angry. Because anger does that to you. It gets, it gets real close. Prejudice gets real close. Racism gets real close. Fear gets real close. Regret, sin, all of it, it just it gets in the, in the bone. And Paul says, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely and let us run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Now, I am not a baseball guy. It, it seems like 162 games of wasted time as far as I'm concerned. But I feel that way about golf. I feel that about everything but football. Okay, but I have been told by Mr. Ben, who is the... Uh, he is our baseball guy. He is that when you're on first base and if you're going to make the move to go to second base, there's this guy called the third base coach. And if this gentleman had rounded first and looked over, he would have seen him doing something like this. 
Okay? Coming around. See, some of us are not looking to the author and the finisher of our faith, and he's calling us on. He's like, Christian, step up. White Christian, black Christian, male Christian, female Christian, rich Christian, poor Christian, Democrat Christian, Republican Christian. It's time. Go. Come on. Come on. Let's do this. This is our moment. So lay aside every weight, every misconception, every prejudice, every weakness. Lay aside every sin, every failure, every doubt, every, every disappointment. And I'm telling you what, that's what I'm feeling spiritually today is that I am with a group of people that a lot of you are disappointed with life. Something has disappointed you. A grief, a loss, a failure. That, that disappointment has, has snuggled up and spooned you for a long time. It is close to you, and, and God wants to free you from it today. But you're going to have to run the bases. It says, and run with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit into the victory that has already been won for us by Jesus. So, we're all in different places in this metaphor. Some of us swung and missed. Well, here's the great thing about grace. Jesus hits the ball. He's the designated hitter for all of us. Okay, because the curveballs that are being thrown at us, nobody can hit them in life. There was a young basketball player, I think it was from Louisville, or I'm not exactly sure, but he, he died this week in a car crash. And somebody posted on Twitter that life is cruel. And I stared at that for a little bit. And I thought, no, that's not exactly right. Life can be cruel. But the ball went over the fence. Is that we don't have to remain in its cruelty. We don't have to remain in our grief, in our disappointment, in our prejudice, in our hatred. We don't have to remain married in a broken marriage. If you run the bases, you'd be surprised. Your marriage needs a win. And the win has already been accomplished if you'll run the bases. So I don't know where you are. We've all, the ball's been hit. Some of us are on first base and we're saved. And that's, we're just kind of like, like a little kid in t-ball. I coached t-ball once. It's hard to keep them even on the base. They'll just kind of run there and they'll be looking over, looking for a sippy cup, looking for a Capri Sun or whatever it is that you give to the kids. They'll be on first base. And then when somebody else hits the ball, they'll be like there. Then you got go, go. Some of us were on first base because all we were concerned about was getting saved and going to heaven and not going to hell. Hey, you were called to be a base runner. You were called to score. You were blessed to bless. And it's time for us to take off running, looking at the author and the finisher 
of our faith. Are you not a good runner? You're like me. The things you shouldn't do, you do. The things you should do, you don't do. You feel like that sometimes? Stumble on your way to second base? I always fall when I running bases. So let me encourage you. I don't care how many times you fall. You're more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you. So as we come to communion, as we come into this moment, let me, let me just ask you to open up to the Holy Spirit. And I know you know he spoke today. Probably a little bit less through my preaching, a little bit more through that video clip, and a whole lot more from his word. Allow it to happen inside of you. Heavenly Father, we come, and today, we recognize that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and that Christ will come again. That God, that that is not just a creed. Those are the bases of security that we are called to run on that we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthened us, regardless of our failures, regardless of our weaknesses, regardless of the tragedies and the cruelty of life. It's time for us to come out of the background of our culture, the background of our misfortunes, the background of our limitations, the background of other people's crimes committed against us. It's time for us to run the basis through the power of the Holy Spirit and to bring that victory home. America's waiting. Our families are waiting. Our marriages are waiting. Our children are waiting. My neighbor is waiting for me to run the base. So Father, we ask that you would empower us today through the Holy Spirit as we take the bread, as we take the cup, that we remember that it's a scorecard. Communion is a scorecard. You have destroyed the works of the evil one. We win. God, help us to see it, to live it, and to run in it.